Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Now, originally, this was going to be a jam-packed panel with four people. However, two of our wonderful guests had something come up. The Terminator was chasing them. (laughs) Yeah, the Terminator is chasing them down. They're trying to escape with their lives. It's a whole thing. Uh, Tristan and Donnie could not make it. They did send me their thoughts on the film. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But you just heard his voice. Joining me for this episode is Drew Garrison. Drew, it's just you and me today, which was unexpected. Oh, yeah. I did not expect this at all. This was pretty crazy. But I'm glad that we're here, man. Like, this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. I think we can carry it. We can carry the brand on our back here like old Arnie does for the Terminator franchise, along with Linda Hamilton, of course. But you saw the title. You know the deal. Today, we are talking about T2 Judgment Day. Here is a synopsis for Terminator 2, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, a cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill Sarah Connor must now protect her 10-year-old son, John, from an even more advanced and powerful cyborg. End quote. And here's some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from the old IMDb. It was directed by James Cameron. It was written by James Cameron and William Wisher. It stars, well, you know the leads here. Arnie himself as the Terminator, and Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Edward Furlong as John Connor. Robert Patrick as the T-1000. A quick note on Robert Patrick. He seems like an actor who one day just aged, and he's been that age for the rest of his career. This is the youngest I've ever seen Robert Patrick. Like, Like, when I saw him, I knew that was him. But at the same time... I had to go back to IMDb and be like, it, it is, right? <laughs> because yeah. he looks so young in this movie. It, it, it's crazy to like see him and just like, oh my god, you actually were a different age at one point. It's always weird. Like, another actor who I think is like that is Stephen Martin. Oh yeah. yeah. He has had that the grayish white hair for at least 40 years. Hey, he rocks it. Yeah, he rocks it. But uh, speaking of who else rocks it in this movie, you got Joe Morton as Miles Dyson, and you also have Earl Bowen as Dr. Silberman. Lastly, movies and TV shows are driven by more than just a director, writers, and a cast. There are hundreds of people who are working hard on each project. So for each movie or show we cover, we also want to spotlight either a certain group of the crew or a specific crewmate, depending on what we think is the movie or show's best trait. Cast members not included in our main cast section are also eligible to be selected for this part too. For me, I'm going to go a little outside the box here. I could easily go with the head people behind the casting or music, but I'm going to go with Joel Kramer and Gary Davis, who are listed as the stunt coordinators, along with all the stunt people involved in this movie, because the action sequences in this film are... Saying top-notch is a disservice. Oh yeah, they they went above and beyond. But who are you going with, with your spotlighted crewmate? So, uh, I was originally going to do the same people you did, but I had a backup, because I did want to talk about these guys too. John Bruno... And the uh, and Diana Ace, John Bruno is the production visual effects designer, and Diana Ace, the computer graphics technical uh, producer. And they basically made they basically are what the stunt people were doing around. They made the effects happen. Even got a full on truck for one of the scenes and actually demolished it. Yeah, this movie is also 1991, so looking in 2023, you gotta look through the lens of, man, this was made 
30 years ago. God, I'm old as fuck. Um, <laughs> I wasn't even born when this movie came out, so I am not old as fuck. Same here, buddy. <laughs> Same here, but it's it's creeping up, alright? It's creeping up. Hey, I'm but like wine. I just point. get better with age. Uh, I wish I could say the same. I've been, I feel like ever since, I want to say about three, four years out of high school, I've probably progressively just gotten dumber and dumber. And we're in the age of the internet where you shouldn't get dumber and dumber, but... That's why I feel like I am getting dumber and dumber, true, but that's a topic for another day. It's sad. Like, I'm looking through, I'm watching this movie, and you look at how the internet's progressed, and I go, you know, maybe the Terminator's got a point. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. I'm I'm not saying that maybe humanity should, you know, get terminated here, but I'm not as against it as I was... 15 years ago yeah. that's all i'm saying uh but i don't think you went with I, I or i do think you went with a very good choice here because the visual effects what i was trying to get to is they're fantastic especially for the time all right okay like but let's just say like this stuff came out in 1991 yeah and it looks better than some of today's movies that's what i'm saying even looking through the lens of this was 30 years ago it's one of those movies. I would also go like, yeah, look at some stuff Jurassic Park did and all the other classic films of the time. And some of those movies look, like you just said, better than some CGI fests that we see now. And granted, we bitched about CGI last week, and we probably will again this week. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you picked the right uh, crewmate here you can't go wrong because I think everybody here this is just like aliens what I said there you can go anybody on that crewmate list because this is an all time film like everybody here freaking brought it mm-hmm. and there's not really much to get into here because what else is there to say T2 Judgment Day is considered to be one of the best movies of all time it's in my top 50 I'm not sure where because my top 50 is constantly shifting but it's there you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make this announcement now. Last year, Tristan Benz, we ended the year with Tristan Benz's top 52 favorite movies of all time. This year, Drew, you and I will both be doing a top 52 to close out the year. Oh, okay. Favorite movies of all time. And I have no idea what that list is going to look like for me. I've never fully 100% written it down and cemented it. But I guarantee you Terminator 2 is going to be on that list. Same and here. pretty high up. Um, <laughs> it's oh, an instant man. classic, all right? Among other films like Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, and Rocky IV. Don't question me on that, people. We all know it's true. Look, T2, there, there's some things that are our favorite because we love them, even if, the, even if they're bad. It's not... I'm, don't, I'm, uh, hold on, now. Hold on. You got me fumbling over words and noises here because I really want to push against that, but we don't really have the time. I will (laughs) say, Rocky IV is a good movie, and how good of a movie it is, I've said this many times, Rocky IV is like four montages and a fight. (laughs) So I will not take any Rocky IV slander here. I like I like Rocky IV. Rocky IV is fun to me. I can still say that it is not a great movie, but that is for another day. <laughs> this is where the bias is just kicking in. I refuse to accept it. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Especially after saying like Rocky Balboa. Good God, uh, or Rocky V for that matter. We will talk about that later. Let's get yeah, back to let's get back to this. Yeah, let's get back to our runners, our gunners, our machines, and our. Well, just like the Rocky franchise, T2 was a success across the board. We all know that. Oh, yeah. This brings forth the question, why are we covering it now? Well, last year, Drew, Tristan, and I did retrospectives on Alien and the Terminator. So we thought we might as well continue the tradition and cover both sequels that are arguably better than their predecessors. This works out tremendously, too, because we also all know that there was never a sequel to Aliens or Terminator 2. No, we never got a mid-tier sequel to T2, where they killed off Sarah Connor off-screen in the lamest way possible. We never got a fourth movie starring Christian Bale as the worst pilot in the world, a.k.a. John Connor. 
while Bale was at the height of playing Batman in the Dark Knight trilogy. There was never an attempted reboot with Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor and Jason Clark, no relation there by the way, uh, playing John Connor. It would be crazy though if they did a reboot like that, but John Connor was somehow the bad guy. Cough, It'd be cough. like an insane, like, whoa, we messed up the timeline story. That said, Drew, I gotta imagine you'd have to keep that under wraps and tell the marketing team not to put that in the trailers. I'm sure they can handle it, though. Uh, they, uh, people are smart. Anime sweat drop, cough, cough. <laughs> Lastly, we all know that this is the end of the franchise because there was never a direct sequel to T2 where John Connor gets killed off in the first 10 minutes. Frustrating the audience for the remainder of the runtime. I couldn't finish that last one. That was sad. And certainly Arnold Schwarzenegger has kept to his promise of not coming back over and over and over again. And over and over. And it's going to keep happening. It's the definition of insanity. <laughs> no, this is the last Terminator movie that we that ever saw the light of day. And hilariously enough, this is the second Nerd Stop Movies episode in a row where we're going to be non-stop praising James Cameron. This man owned the 1980s, the 1990s, and looking at how the Avatar franchise is going, it looks like he just owns the movie industry at this point. He's a, he's pretty much Thanos, okay, Drew? Dread it, run from it, eventually it all comes back to him. I'm sure he'd like that reference. Probably would. This guy, though, it's like, even in, even with movies that, like, everyone can agree with are, huh, that happened. It's just, he somehow makes a way for it to hit. Like, just a, just a small little tangent, Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water are not good movies. I am so glad Tristan's not here. This I am so glad Tristan's not here. You better hope he I, he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> but you better hope he doesn't listen. He only to listens him. to the episodes where he's speaking. <laughs> uh. I love how we're creating this character. <laughs> Tristan. Oh no, he watches. He listens to the podcast, but only the episodes he's on. He doesn't care. He's not on it. Look! Look! All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, is that when James, when James Cameron puts down his magic, somehow it works, even if it's not good or mediocre, it works. I'm not agreeing with that, considering James Cameron was involved. You're making me break kayfabe here with my whole prelude. James Cameron was involved in Terminator: Dark Fate. That is true. He wrote the story for it, which. Okay, I need to put my cards on the table. I'm not going to completely shit on a movie, because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I heard it was mid at best. As a person who's seen it, mid is being nice to it. Yeah, but the whole premise of it was essentially, to me, hey, let's just do the whole thing over again, but with a different John Connor. Which, considering, even watching this movie, if you wanted to do a sequel in the Terminator franchise, I think you could have. You didn't have to do the same apocalyptic Skynet storyline. You could have ended that and moved forward with something else. What is, like, we're going to get into Terminator 2 in a moment, I promise, people. But, like, what is Sarah Connor's motivations? What is she going to do after her mission is finally done? What does John Connor do with all this information? He was supposed to be this military commander, and that's what he was being raised to be. What's his future? Now, granted, the last five minutes of this movie, we get like a, a time skip, and you're told what happened to everybody. But basically, basically, what we get is like, oh, Terminator is in a time loop and everything. Like, technically, because of what Skynet does, it ensures its own future. But... I think there's interesting things here, especially with the themes of humanity creates their own destruction, and somehow we keep finding ways to hurt ourselves and hurt others through creativity and through these means of, we're going to better humanity, instead you end up hurting it. And I find that to be interesting, because it doesn't just have to be through robots, pew pew pew. 
Like it could be through what's the next thing that humanity ends up dooming themselves over. Look at like a uh, uh, X Men Days of Future Past, right? Yeah, it's one of the things said in that movie. You can stop the apocalypse now, but something someday is going to come along to take its place. It's just the way these things work. And hell, that's been a theory in uh going around about Endgame and Secret Wars. That the Iron Man warned Captain America about it in the Battle of Endgame. That you push with time, it tends to push back. Like I find that to be an interesting concept that Terminator really could have delved into. And instead, they ended up going, let's just go back to Skynet. Over and over and over. When you look at the first two movies, and this is going to be getting right back on track with T2 here. The first two movies are a confined and perfect story. Nothing else needs to be added to it. Yeah, like with the first two, with the first two movies, we honestly you can say that you've completed Skynet's uh, storyline. You don't need any more. The next movie could be about John Connor and uh, Sarah Connor, and just going forward with their with their lives as they see the next apocalypse happens, or maybe it doesn't even involve them. Maybe the next term, maybe the next Terminator movie is just about um, new characters that you, so you don't have to shoe in Arnold Schwarzenegger for the fiftieth time, and you can just have them dealing with like humanity's ever need to grow creates a new a new um, tragedy, one that's not like AI based, but maybe it's just oh we let machines run our stuff now they're just malfunctioning and it's destroying the world. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that they can go about it, and uh, it's just, it's sad to see a franchise that I think does have potential, if you wanted to make more, continue to just recycle the same stuff. Yeah. And that's where I think the franchise has been fumbling so much. You look at Genesis, too, I think that's another one, it's like, let's do the reboot. And the, I said in the prelude, I think it was an interesting idea to be like, hey, what if John Connor was the bad guy? What if we get Jason Clark, who I think is an underrated actor, to play John Connor? And granted, I, I, I haven't seen Genesis either. The trailer's ruined it for me. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know if it's actually John Connor or if it's like a Terminator looking like him. But either way, it's an interesting concept. Do you mind spoilers? And for them to ruin it in the trailers is mind-boggling. This is a full-on Terminator franchise spoiler episode. I'm going to give people three seconds, and then Drew, go ahead and feel free to spoil Genesis for everybody, including myself. Three, two, one. So basically, the Terminator fused with John Connor, and that's why he has John Connor's skin and everything. And it's like back and forth whether or not John Connor is actually evil or if it's the Terminator. But basically, they're the same being now. That sounds really dumb, but again, I find it interesting. It's something different. <laughs> That's not just, hey, let's do the same story over, or let's continue this Skynet story that we already completed. It was pretty dumb. Uh, it, I have to admit that it is an interesting idea of doing it, but it, like, as a person who likes X-Men, which basically was doing Terminator before Terminator uh, in the comics and everything, like, I like the idea I just think it wasn't executed to towards its best. Yeah. And I think you can say that about all the sequels that have come after this. I, I think there is, even with the Dark Fates and the Genesis and Terminator 3, I don't think they're good movies. I, from everything I heard about Genesis and Dark Fate, I have seen a few scenes of Genesis, but... uh they don't seem to be as high quality as these first two films. That said, there are a few aspects to them that I'm like, okay, if you just pluck that out and you revamp a few other things, you might have something on your hands here. But instead, it's just the, let's cookie cutter the shit out of this, let's continue the story we've milked the shit out of, and it just hasn't worked. And to talk about Terminator 2 here, Again, this is just a movie that I think ties everything up with Skynet. And it does it very well. You watch this, you don't feel the need for another one. At all. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about our general thoughts, though. 
And before I throw it over to Drew, I want to read out Tristan and Donnie's thoughts on the film. Tristan, I'm just going to have his verbatim here. Quote, 10 out of 10 movie, Jimmy C. Don't Miss. Shout, shout out to the kid who saved humanity by not narking to a random cop. End quote. He's so right. Like, <laughs> he what, is right. He, what a total bro that guy was. He was like, hey man, John didn't do shit. I'm not going to snitch. Snitches get stitches here. What a total bro there to be like, I'm not doing that. And then he tried to warn him. He he warned him and then tried to point Robert Patrick in the opposite direction. Savior of the film. Uh, that is true. That is 100% true. I love that so much. Uh. <laughs> Donnie said, quote, The crew member I want to shout out is Brad Fidel as the composer. It takes real talent to use five notes to pump adrenaline through the roof. <laughs> T2 has been one of the greatest sequels of all time for a good reason. It is top notch. It is a top-notch action movie with effects that still look impressive today. It also has one of the best endings to any movie ever, end quote. So Donnie pretty much, he saw the future. He knew exactly what we were going to say in this podcast. Yeah. Because he is on the money. And to get into my general thoughts, I echo everything they just said, and so much more. Great action, great story, especially with uh, the Terminator and John Connor. I think they are the heart of this movie, while Sarah Connor is essentially, you're looking at her character, especially coming out of the first movie, and you're like, oh, damn, she has changed a lot. She is not that simple woman we first saw, we saw in the first movie. Not only that, like, you look at her character and it's like, oh, she is uh, not doing well. Oh, not yeah. Not in the best place. And yeah. I think those three, that core trinity for this film, is perfection. Mm-hmm. It's just a hallmark of what you want in a movie like this to make you care about the characters. And even for Sarah, who there's certain points in this movie, I don't like Sarah Connor at certain points in this movie, but I'm not supposed to. Because she's so disconnected from humanity at certain points. She doesn't like the Terminator. She doesn't like Miles Dyson. But then, you kind of look at some of the stuff she does. She realizes, damn, I'm kind of worse than this Terminator. It's like she was about to kill the very person who makes Skynet. Because she's just so afraid of it. She's seen what the future holds. and it's bro- And it's broken her. Yep, it's broken her. But it's also very compelling for a character like that. Who in the first movie, at the very end, is when she's essentially... Kyle Reese is, to me, the action hero of the first movie. But at the end, it's essentially he dies, and Sarah picks up the baton, and it's like, alright, she is now the action hero from here on out. And, man, you feel that in this movie. Oh, yeah. Action, great. Music, great. Casting, great. Robert Patrick, I think, is possibly the unsung hero of this movie uh in terms of performance obviously (laughs) he's the bad guy so not in that way but performance wise man he brought it he's exactly what he should have been and unlike arnold who's so massive and just bulky like he seems like an unstoppable force because of how massive he is robert patrick just seemed unstoppable because of how emotionless he was I also like the fact of how the Termin- how T2 showed off their different approaches. Like for yes. Arnold, he is this, again, you said he was this unstoppable machine, and that's what he is. While, um, while our um, liquid Terminator, uh, liquid metal Terminator decides, hey, I'm going to be a little bit more sneaky about this. He impersonates people. He's a strategist, while Arnold is basically like your... I'm I'm gonna plow through everything. He's like your bulldozer compared to uh I don't know what else to put in this analogy of of equipment. I guess your sculptor. Well the the Terminator used deception in the first film. But with the T one thousand, I get where you're coming from because you're like the Terminator is this big, basically hulking figure in this film. And what I love about the Terminator, I'm we'll get your full general thoughts here in a second. I don't mean to go into our full discussion. But what I love about the Terminator in this movie is he's unstoppable to any mortal person. 
to any human out there, this is not a fight. You are just going to get your ass. It's basically like if you were, I've been playing Starfield. It's like if you had like a mod, a god mode mod on Starfield, and you're going into this base to kill some pirates. The pirates are going to do nothing to you. And you can just kneecap them. Do whatever you want. If you are if you got a non-lethal run going on, you kneecap them, knock them out, or you can kill them. Like, that's the way the Terminator works. But then, there's one enemy out there that you'll find that can fuck you up. And that's the T-1000. And it changes on a dime from, oh, he's in god mode, to, damn, he's getting his ass whooped. That guy must be so much better than the Terminator. And that's another thing I think the movie does so much. I don't, I guess... I was going to say better than the first film, but the first film doesn't really have anything to compare because Kyle Reese is a human. But I feel like it just <laughs> upgrades from the first film, you know, to where yeah. the Terminator was this unstoppable force and how are the humans going to kill it to, yeah, the Terminator, it's still the same thing, but there's a bigger beast out there. It's kind of like when you watch Jurassic Park with the T-Rex there. There's always a bigger monster out there. And for this movie, it's the T-1000. but. Let's talk about your general thoughts here. What are your general thoughts on T2 Judgment Day? I think it's one of the ultimate action movies to ever exist ever. And it really and I really like the subtle story the um overt so- storytelling, the subtle storytelling, the way um they portray John Connor as this bratty little kid. I love it. I love it all. I like that John is aware of his destiny. I like how he dislikes how people treat him because of his destiny. And uh, I, lo- I love how even though the Terminator cannot feel emotions and stuff, John still finds a way of making it his robo-dad. What I love about John Connor, too, is there's moments in this movie where you see why he is destined to be a great military commander. Like, the way he is seeing things, he's trying to keep... As if you're trying to bully it down here, he's trying to keep his team together. Yeah. Like, he's trying to keep, he's the glue of this movie when it comes to the core trinity here. And he's trying to keep the Terminator from killing people. He's teaching the Terminator certain things. He's trying to keep his mom from going completely off the deep end. He is 10 years old, but honestly, he is the, arguably the only adult in this movie. <laughs> oh my God, is that not true? <laughs> It's like even even though he is a he is a bratty kid who grew who's growing up on the streets, he is the one telling people, "Hey, uh, maybe we should be more adult about this." Yeah, him and Miles. Miles is the other. Like Miles had it. I feel so bad. <laughs> like his house is so nice. <laughs> like you know, James Cameron did all did all that on purpose. Like, all right, let's make this house as good as possible. We want Miles Dyson to look like he is living it great. And we're going to destroy it. <laughs> like, damn, man. It, it it really is sad. It's like, okay. It's like, I'm just living in my best life and everything. Suddenly, it's just like he's pulled into the Terminator franchise war. And it's just like, oh, oh, yeah, you're about to you're about to lose it all, man. I hope you have insurance. Yeah. Uh, any other general thoughts before we get a little deeper into our discussion? I think this is Arnold Schwarzenegger's best role. See, in the first movie, he's asked to be so emotionless. And in this movie, he's asked to pretty much do the same thing. But (laughs) add small bits of emotion. Yes. And not only that, on paper, this is the stuff we were talking about with, like, why has this franchise become so creatively bankrupt? The On paper, this movie sounds like a train wreck when you boil it down. As, think about this, people. The, the, the central <laughs> premise, if you boil it all down, is let's just get Arnold back. But instead of him being the bad Terminator, he's the good Terminator. That's essentially the... If there was an elevator pitch, I assume that's the elevator pitch. But in execution, damn, this movie's great. Yeah. And I think it starts with Arnold's performance. I do think this is probably his best. But I think it also comes down to Edward uh, Furlong. I think his performance as John Connor, it really helps because those two had to be, they had to have the chemistry there. And they really did. And to also add to that, I think this had to be a perfect combination between the actors and the writing. 
because the writing is on point. Yeah. This movie does feel like lightning in a bottle. Yes, it's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, it's like you got the perfect actors, you had all the writing done down pat, you had the perfect composer to come in and bring the music, you got someone who always wants to push the caliber of movies and how they can be visualized as your your director. It's just, it's like everything went perfect for this movie. You want action? You got it. You want some great comedy moments? Anything with the Terminator and John Connor is great. It's A-plus physical comedy. One of my favorite moments in all of cinema is when John tells him he can't kill anybody. The Terminator, the next thing he does is like he shoots the security guard in the knees, and, he'll, and he turns around <laughs> and says he'll live. That's <laughs> so good, man. And not only that, it's whenever he's like, you can't kill anybody, I think he goes, why? You just the way can. he delivers that line is so funny to me. It's not, it's like, you think like it would be like a child asking why, but it's like, no, legit, I need a reason. Like, I'm logic incarnate, man. Yeah. I will say, see, Arnie's had a lot of great roles, and I think he really crushes it with comedy. You look at Kindergarten kindergarten Cop, or even, I saw Twins recently for the first time with him and Danny DeVito, and I don't think Twins, hot take here, but I don't think it was that great, but man, him and Danny DeVito freaking crush it, and I think they make that movie really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a fun movie. I think he really crushes it with comedy, so seeing him do that here where he didn't really get the chance in the first movie. It's the thing that just... <laughs> it's, it sounds funny considering the Terminator and then this upgraded Terminator. What this, what this movie is is just an upgrade over the first one. That's all it is. Like You even have Michael Bean in this movie. Now, sadly, not for a lot of time. I would love to have more Michael Bean, but you still have him. So you got everything, but it's upgraded. True that. I also think, like, this, to put in another computer term, it's also kind of reformatted, because T1 was pure horror, and this one is more action. It's still got some horror, though. That's the thing that I think is really great about it, because there's that part where the T1000 is dying. Like, that, it looks just unnatural. And it's supposed to. But, mm. man, it's somewhat, it's just so frightening at the same time. Whenever yeah. it's just shrieking at the end. Then the moments where it just kills uh John's foster dad. Yeah, and then and then that tearful goodbye as he raises his thumb to the sky. See, that's not horror. That's just awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome, but it's also like so sad and it's like John losing his his foster dad, which he just which he just uh taught how to be his foster dad. Okay, so I wanna go ahead and talk about this. I never really saw it as the Terminator being like his, how you kind of put it, the Harris Foster, his, his foster dad, new yeah. foster dad. I never really saw that. I saw that more as like he was his best friend. See, see, the reason I put it as his foster dad is because with the way that John, with the way that John has the Terminator treat him, and the way he likes to latch on is because unlike his mom who treats him as the messiah and, like, honestly barely gets to show affection to him because she keeps thinking of him in that regard. The Terminator just treats him as a kid he has to protect. And I think John sees that more as a fatherly role. That's the reason why I think, oh, John sees him as a foster dad, even if, like, it is more of a friendship type thing. Yeah. And I think they try to hammer it home with what Sarah was saying. When they're out in the desert, and she was basically like, hilariously enough, this machine is the best parental figure that John could ever have. Because it is literally programmed to protect him at any cost. It will never hurt him. And that's, I get what they're going for. It's just the way that their relationship works in the movie. To me, it just always came across as they were just best friends the entire time but they kind of hit it off after the whole 
conversation where you don't kill people and all that. That's where it felt like the movie really clicks in the high gear. So I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Any standout performance for standout performances for you? I already talked about mine. I'm not going to go into it any further. I've been talking too much this episode, so please go off, man. Mine is, of course, of course, our John Connor himself, Edward Furlong. Like again, child actors are a rare breed, and he was a child in this one, and yet he is. I wouldn't even say he's keeping up with the uh, adults. He is actively in their same corner. He's killing this role as a kid, and I honestly think that uh, he is the standout performance because you see everything. He does the physical acting great. He um, realizes, I think he realized as a kid what small little movements do for a character, and he's just killing it. Also, Robert Patrick, like, good God. Like, how do you, ma- how do you make someone who has barely any emotes feel so you know like i can't even finish it it's like the t1000 is just so good of a character but also like being a sort of non-character he's supposed to be this emotionless entity but you also see like his thought process as all his programming is going through as he reacts to the terminator who has switched sides is stronger than him but also still needs to be smarter than him in order to keep up because the terminator is just unstoppable it is cra it is crazy. Uh there's there's so many good uh casts in here. I think you could say everybody in this movie. Yeah, and honestly. We don't have time to go through everybody, but in terms of the main cast, it's everybody you talked about, right? It's the everybody main kills there it. that crushed it. Yeah. It's Robert Patrick. I talked about it already. Him just being so emotionless is somehow I think it somehow one-ups how Arnold was in the first movie, which is a big deal. Like, Yeah, because Arnold killed it in the first movie. Yeah, I don't know how Robert Patrick pulled that off, but he just, he, he just looks wrong in this movie. He looks uncanny, yeah. and not in the CGI way. He just looks like he is not supposed to exist. Yeah. Then there's... But I also need to... Um, shout out Joe Morton. Yeah, that's exactly where I was gonna go because I think Joe Morton freaking crushes it. Oh my god! Oh my god! He it's like we knew like he was the creator of Skynet, and you think like you're not gonna care because his death will be the his death will mean that Skynet doesn't exist, humanity is saved, and as you and it's like even in that first moment, yet you, you feel for this man. It's like he did he didn't create Skynet to. And the world he created to actually be of help to humanity, and he's just living yeah. his own best life at the moment. And it's like all of, and then he learns everything you did, everything you did is gonna destroy the world. Yeah, I think for me, Joe Morton was a really good part of this movie until around his death scene, and that's where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's he's in the standout performances category. And yeah. I'll talk about that here in a second, but to talk about Miles Dyson as a character, he's a main focus of the film, but the film sometimes does, I don't want to say forget, because they don't forget about him. It's just that I think when, uh, let me make sure I get the name right here, William Wisher and James Cameron wrote this, I think they knew they had so much work to do with the main three, and they could write Miles Dyson in a way to where it, the audience will be attached to him throughout. Yeah. And they had to just make sure that his story made sense and like give him the complete story. But we need to make sure that the audience gets that Sarah Connor is different. She's not in a great place. She has become what she hates. The Terminator is different. He's not the bad guy anymore. He's learning to be human. John Connor, you have to like this kid. Like he is like you were saying earlier, he's the messiah of humanity, supposedly. This is the first time the audiences saw John Connor in terms of as a actual character. Not, I think he was in the first movie, if I remember right. But He was, because he like, sent him back to the past. He sent his yeah. dad back to the past. So, but I'm saying like as a full-fledged character that he's supposed to be a main deal. Yeah. So there's so much to do that I do think they kind of like, 
took the Miles Dyson character, and I was like, all right, he's going to have his thing, but we got a lot to do with the main three, so that's what we're going to focus on. And for this character to be as likable as he is, and to be as memorable as he is, is a pretty big accomplishment. And I think that's due to James Cameron. I think it's due to William Wisher. And I definitely think it's due to Joe Morton. And to talk about why I think he deserves to be in the standout section is because of nearing that, uh, when he gets near that death scene, dude, he crushes his death scene. Totally. Oh, yeah. Like, the breathing, the way he, like, just the focus, the camera focus on his eyes as he actually died and then the whole place blew up. Him basically realizing earlier whenever they were at his house and he was like, man, I didn't create Skynet for this. I didn't know this was what it was going to be. Like you create, like the look on his face, he didn't have to say much, but you understood, oh, he had actual genuine motivation. He thought he was going to help. He's being told you are actually responsible for the death of billions of people. Yeah. I And it's also like one of the things that um, I think is interesting is that when I was do- when I uh, did research on this for the podcast, I learned something that I did not know because apparently in the originals in the original script, this thing didn't have a lot of changes to it. But in the but like in the original like script that went to production and they cut it out, uh, they hit they um he has a picture of his family of him with his family, so he's also leaving his family behind when he goes to his death. Hmm. It's, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. I wonder yeah. how. I wonder how. I wonder if they just cut that out, realizing, man, this is gonna be a bit. I think that's a bit too sad. It's like he's got he's got kids, man. Well, you no. Are you saying like he had a picture on him when he died? No, no, no. He because literally. You know he had. There's multiple scenes with him, with his family. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like he has a picture with his family, and he literally. Ki- it's like in that in the moment, like the way that it's said, because they put it in the comic book, the way that it's said is that um, in the narration, they say he looks to the picture knowing he can't say goodbye to his family. Oh, okay. Okay. I got what you're saying. But I do want to talk about Sarah Connor and Miles Dyson because it's a part of the movie where I really don't like Sarah Connor. I know I'm not supposed to. But man, she is an asshole to Miles. And her reasoning, yeah, okay, you you create Skynet in the future, but it's hard to empathize with her character to a certain point. And I know that's, again, part of who she is because of the trauma she's been through. And she doesn't even, like, there's two people in this movie who save her ass and saves John's ass. And she treats them like shit the whole movie. And you get nothing but, like, a nod and a handshake. Like, I would have, like, in terms of nitpicks, and this is a 10 out of 10 movie. Need to make that perfectly clear. It is probably in my top, I don't know, it's in the top, top favorite movies ever. In terms of nitpicks here. Her not like saying like "Hey, thanks" or any words to Miles or the Terminator during this movie. I'm just going like, "Damn!" I mean, they did save your ass. <laughs> I understand the Terminator, why she wouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, I understand that one that's more. The, Yeah, but Miles, yeah, she she needs to be a bit nicer to the guy she nearly murdered in his own home with his family present. Again, understand people. I know she's supposed to be the bad guy in that scene, but when she supposedly comes to her senses, she doesn't really. <laughs> and that's the part that I'm like, man, I do wish they gave her like a, hey, Miles, I'm I'm really sorry. I shot you. Yeah, she ne- she needed that moment where she comes up, it's like she realizes, oh, cr- oh, crap, uh, I kind of, I kind of uh, did a bunch of crappy stuff. Maybe I should be nice and uh, try to make up for my mistakes a bit. And if you want to keep it, because she's supposed to be so disconnected, and you could have done a thing where she's just really bad at it, like she doesn't really know how to apologize properly to him. Like, I think you could have pulled it off. It was just one of those things that I'm like, man, Miles did a lot here, and I feel like his accomplishment wasn't really respected by anybody but John. 
Like, John understood the sacrifice that got made. Yeah. It felt like Sarah and the Terminator were just, especially the Terminator, because, you know, he's a robot. But (laughs) (laughs) we're just like, all right, well, anyways, let's move on. (laughs) And meanwhile, you as an audience member just went, yeah, Miles just saved the day. He destroyed all the evidence there. Mm Mm-hmm. Except for the two uh, pieces from the first movie. I understand, because she's, again, so broken, no one's believing her about her story and everything and it's like oh my it's like judgment day is coming we need to stop it and it's like she's in an institute she can't even see her kid uh who she thinks is the messiah and she's like talks about how important he is it's like her whole her whole life has just been upended because of everything that's happened and she's not the same person who she was in the first movie so it's like the person who could be normal, who could understand and empathize, has just been broken down through all these years. And I understand I understand that. What I like about the movie is that through John and the ter- and seeing and the Terminator and Miles, she regains that bit of herself and she becomes like what I what I call to be her final form where she keeps that mindset of John might one day need to like save the world and everything but she recognizes that's her son that's her kid he's not someone you raise to be a life savior he's someone you raise to be his best self and that's and that's and that's what i think the whole movie for sarah is about that's who she is her character's arc in this film is remarkable and it's such a contrast from the very fun story with John and the Terminator. Her story is just really dark. How did you feel about Sarah's story? Like, you already kind of talked about it, but Sarah's story in the mental institution and her whole thing, like, putting everything on her back, basically, this to save humanity. Like, I like the fact that she takes initiative, because in the last movie, it seems as though that she isn't uh like that she isn't going to be like the savior of humanity it's gonna be her son it's like we need to keep you alive because if we don't keep you alive you don't raise your son and if you don't raise your son then all of humanity will fall it's like you are pretty much um you are pretty much mary and you are going to birth jesus okay we need it's like you need to stay alive because your actions will literally create like an an angel in human form. That's how I took it. Not like literally, like he's not John Connor is not an angel. But um, so what you're saying is John Connor is Jesus. Kinda. I wanted to dig deeper into the hole here. <laughs> you know, you know, we could if we go into Genesis and Dark Fate and say, well, he did die and come back to life. Uh, but no, 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 I don't want to talk about those movies. Anyway, like, for for Terminator 2 to come and say, oh, no, she's going to take the future into her own hands. She's not going to even let it happen. It's like she yeah. still understands, like, John may be necessary if she fails, but she's going to go all out. She is going to get in shape, and holy crap, did she get in shape in that institute? Uh, but then we also get her, like, when she's finally ready... And she goes to kill. She goes to uh, kill him and everything after breaking out of the institute. It's like you see all the damage that's done to her, but you also see like the strength that John Connor has comes from her because she still has the strength not to pull the trigger. She realizes I cannot become what Skynet is. I cannot be this cold, emotionless killer. I cannot just say like the mission is worth it. There has to be a different way. Yeah, there has to be a line, and. <laughs> Okay, you know, I can forgive the stuff with the whole, like, emotionless kind of feeling she has with Miles and the Terminator. What I can't forgive, and this is talking about the sequels, she couldn't have taught John how to fly a fucking helicopter. Honestly, I'm surprised that she knows how to fly a helicopter. Not to talk about Terminator 4 a whole lot, but uh, in Salvation, if I remember correctly, John Connor crashes at least three to four times. And he comes out completely unscathed. I'm convinced that he is a full-fledged Terminator in that movie. 
maybe or maybe he actually is jesus he's dying and coming back to life in those crashes maybe, man <laughs> that's all i'm at that's my real problem with sarah connor in this movie why didn't you teach john how to fly a freaking helicopter well she was in a mental desperately institute. needed it <laughs> she was in a mental institute i'm not sure if she, she had, had time, time before it she had time how old it. was he he was like like what five Hey, you can. <laughs> I've seen kids do crazier things. That's true. <laughs> Hell, he was flying like he was a five-year-old in Salvation. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> freaking movie there. <laughs> I said this before. I think on the show. You know, when Salvation was coming out, there was also another movie coming out that summer called. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Now, <laughs> I'm in middle school at the time, and one of my best friends went, Hey, I think Transformers is going to be the best movie of the summer. Keep in mind how stupid we are. We are in middle school, like sixth or seventh grade. I went, You're an idiot, man. It's going to be Terminator Salvation. This movie is going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Congratulations, you were both wrong. Oh, we were so wrong. <laughs> this is why you should never take any of my opinions seriously on this podcast. I'm here to waste time, essentially, and let people smarter than me talk. Because, man, both of those movies are freaking awful in so many ways. Uh, but to talk about a movie that is not awful, the complete opposite, Terminator 2, what are your favorite action sequences? I've said it once and I'll say it a million times. The truck. Oh my god, the flipping of the truck. That action scene from start to finish is amazing. Then there's also when the T-1000 is um, chasing them and climbing onto their car. But then there's also when they're flying a helicopter and he crashes it into the car. Ah, John. John's gonna know about that. <laughs> Feature, I'll tell you what. <laughs> You better take notes. But then there's the but then there's them in the steel mill and like Sarah doing the shotgun over and over again. That reload, man, that was awesome. Honestly, everyone, every action scene. There is not a bad action scene in this entire freaking movie. There is none. Every single one. You can quote me on that. Every single action scene in Terminator 2 is amazing. I echo everything you just said. I think the one that is most memorable to me, there's two. The chase sequence at near the beginning of the movie, where uh, the Terminator saves John for the first time, and he blows up the truck. Oh, and when he also, like, gra when he, like, grabs him and, like, uses his body to defend him, and that's when we get yeah. the whole twist. Oh, no, T-1 isn't the bad guy. It's T-1000. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most memorable action sequences I've always remembered about this movie. And then, of course, whenever Arnold's like, I'll take care of the cops. John goes, hey, don't kill him. Trust me. The smile. And he just goes out there. And it's just awesome. The guy flying the helicopter's like, the guy's got a minigun. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's perfect. Perfect across yeah. the board. And then it just caps off with that Human casualties, calculated, zero. <laughs> and the whole time you're watching that and you're going, mission accomplished, man. <laughs> mission very accomplished. Cool. They'll all live. They'll all live. Not very well. <laughs> they're going to have some problems. That moment, too. Okay, there's another one. Whenever they're leaving <laughs> and all the SWAT people are coming in <laughs> and they had their gas masks on and the Terminator just tells John and Sarah to Alright, y'all chill out. I got this. Like I said, he just walks like he's in God mode. Completely invulnerable here. Just shoots everybody in the kneecap. <laughs> and he's walking by. Like he's a level 100. Everybody else is a level 1. There's no chance in hell here. And then he goes outside. And he's like, hold this. Then he takes the guy's gas mask off. Oh man, this movie's great for it, so many reasons. It's great. Also, you mentioned with the minigun. 
Like, I love, like, all the small things that the Terminator's um, lines technically come from John trying to teach him how to blend in and be human. It's like, hey, you gotta smile more. He smiles when he gets the minigun. And then it's like, you gotta learn how people um, speak. And that's where, hasta la vista, baby. And, the, and where that comes from, it's like, John teaching him how to be human ironically makes the best moments of moments of the movie come to fruition. Yeah. Not only that, I think it, because throughout the movie, the Terminator is like, I'm not human. I cannot have emotions. I don't, I don't have a personality, but I think that's a lie. Especially by the end. The Terminator has a personality, especially by that part where he asks John to trust him. That's where you go. I don't think this Terminator is emotionless. I think he has learned emotion. The thing that Skynet could never account for, human emotions. Yep, human emotion. There's the old trope, and I think it, it was, it's just great there. To whereas you buy into the relationship with him and John, you buy into him caring about John's safety, and then sacrificing himself, knowing like, hey, this has got to be done. Let's forget that there was another movie that undoes this entirely. Shh. But let's talk about our... Well, let's talk about the ending first. We kind of addressed it earlier. What are your thoughts on the ending of this movie? I thought it was better than the first, which is a high bar. Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor's got to stay out of these situations. This ending was amazing it's just like it's the it's literally the culmination of everyone's character arcs and it's done in such an amazing way you have sarah using that again i love that scene of sarah just using that shotgun being a badass and even though like this is the terminator that has literally been uh surviving everything at every point sarah is like you know what nah i ain't running away no more shooting you every single time and See, he just keeps walking up to it, and he can't, and it's like, ironically, the unsolvable force can't do anything, because she just does not stop. It's um, it's an amazing turnaround for the characters and everything, and have their arcs in where they're like, okay, I might not be able to kill you, but I can still push you back, and it's just constantly pushing him back until finally, push him, get him in the lava, finally dies. Oh my god. And... Just the the tearful goodbye with John and the Terminator, Ugh. and even like the and even like the acknowledgement of Sarah and John now being like mo mom and son and just going on their way to live their lives, and Sarah can finally start trying to be fully mom to him, and the hug, the hug. Ah, question here, not to. Fully nitpick this movie, but I started thinking about when you're like, hey, they're going to go live their lives. How does Sarah Connor live her life? She has to be wanted for so many crimes. You, you know, maybe like, maybe she found a way to erase their, um, to erase their history. She was never in a mental institution. John is just a normal kid on the streets to the public and everything. Who knows? But besides the point, what I don't want to say what are your favorite moments, but the whole thing, know, the whole, whole thing—it's—it's th a terrible question because we just sat here and praised the movie the whole time. Do you have any favorite moments we didn't talk about? We know there's not a least favorite moment. This is an the, instant classic. Yeah, it's like I—I I just there's no bad scene in this movie. There isn't. Like, my only nitpick is the Sarah Connor thing. That's absolutely it. And it's not even, like, a shot at her character. It's just like, yeah, what a, like, one extra bit. And that's absolutely it. Everything else is literally a 10 out of 10. From the writing, acting, performances. is what we said, man. It's got action. It's got comedy. It's got some great horror moments. Like, there's some bits that just me, like, as somebody who does not like horror, that I don't really want to look at the screen because it just looks disgusting. Like, when the foster dad dies, for some reason that really got me as a kid. Yeah. And even now, 20-something years later, I'm looking at that scene and kind of just still grimacing. 
It's a hard scene to get through. It's really, really sad. It looks great, though. That's the reason why, man. This movie's made in 1991. Mm-hmm. That scene is great visually. All the scenes with John and the Terminator are hilarious. All the action scenes are pretty much memorable. I, I named off two specifically, but they're all... I remember this movie pretty vividly. I probably didn't even have to rewatch it. <laughs> I did, and that's why we were a little late for this episode. But <laughs> that's the point. I, I, what else is there to add? Like, is there a specific moment that you want to point out that we didn't talk about here? Is there? Like, we, like there are so many points in the movie, we kind of went through them all. When the Terminator picks up the kid in the desert, I don't know why that made me just bust out laughing. <laughs> when he just picks up the kid by his little clothes and just looks at him like what is this thing yeah and the dad doesn't care like <laughs> i'd be like dude get your hands off the kid he's just sitting there talking to sarah yeah he's like damn we were different <laughs> back in the 80s yeah oh and then there's a oh and then there's also uh the arnold's first fight scene when he's in the bar and he's like naked and he's trying to get guns and clothes we never talked about that one, but I like, I love, I love, I just think it's hilarious that all these guys are trying to go up against this guy and they have to live within their lives, in their heads. They think, oh, d- oh, darn, we got beat by a guy who was by a naked guy just coming in and taking all our stuff. They have no context. They have it's no hilarious. context. Absolutely none. And they just get their ass whooped. And you gotta imagine after that. You can't ever talking about it again. Oh, duh. Especially the guy who t- who Arnold took the clothes from. It's like... Yeah. I don't think you can go back to that bar again if you're that guy. Uh-uh. It's like, if you go back to that bar, it's like, even the guys who got beat up can always say, Hey, remember when that guy took your clothes and you had to run home in your skivvies? There are some people who will go to a movie theater, buy a ticket, and... Well, we don't buy movie theater tickets anymore, but who used to buy a movie theater ticket... And then once they got it, the person will say, enjoy your movie. And then that person will go, yeah, you too. And walk into the theater knowing I can't ever go back to that theater again. That is nothing (laughs) compared to what this man went through. This man got humiliated in front of all of his friends. Got not only his bike stolen. Not only his gun taken. But also his clothes. <laughs> and then received massive burns to his hands. Not a great day. Worst day of his life. I'd hope so. I don't know how it could get worse. His wife chose to divorce him that day. <laughs> well, at least it's the same day. <laughs> Might as well, man. Oh, he's like the Eddie Brock of Terminator. Of Terminator character. But no symbiote to make his life better. Or worse, your choice. I I got a favorite moment. I don't know why. I think it's my inner psychopath. But every time... When it wasn't like a horrific scene. But every time the T-1000 would just be like, Hey, I need this. And then just kill somebody. I found it hilarious. Okay. Especially like the part where the guy with the truck at the end, where he's just like, "Hey, buddy, what's going on?" <laughs> just yeah. immediately killed him. I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and then the one guy he lets live is in the helicopter. He says, "Get out!" And I'm like, "Why did you let that guy live?" Uh, because he can't. I guess he can't just throw him out. I don't know. You could have just stabbed him and then pushed him out of the helicopter, I guess. But he just let one guy live, and then everybody else is basically a, yeah, he's over there, and then stab. (laughs) It's like, this guy is a freaking menace to humanity. He is taking his job seriously. To add on to the psychopath vibes, my my favorite moments is every time Arnold chooses not to kill his victims. Uh, because just it's the, so petty. I it's love it. so petty, but it's like it's so hilarious. It's like oh, I shot that guy in the kneecaps, and it's like he'll live. And it's and it's like hey, don't kill that guy. Why? You just can't. Okay, <laughs> go through an entire action scene not killing. All of them are going to live in the hospital for the rest of their lives. 
maybe not the rest of their lives, but a good month in the hospital for sure for some of those injuries. And if not, man, like who knows? Like some of these people might not walk again. You kneecap somebody. I know this Terminator is uh very precise. Oh, he knows what he's doing. He knows but what he's doing. It's, I hope he hit everybody exactly where they needed to for them to make a full recovery. That's all I'm saying. These people have jobs, man. Oh, yeah. Terminator's a menace. He might not have killed them, but he ruined their lives. Uh, they get fired. <laughs> they're gonna get. They're gonna get fired. They're gonna. Uh, they've lost their jobs. They can no longer move forward. Oh, it's bad. You got any least favorite moments? No. I don't blame you. I don't either. Any final thoughts? All time classic. Nothing else to add. Nothing. Nothing else to add. We've gone through it all. I don't think we could add anything else. All right. Let's get out of here, man. What are you working on? Where can people find you? You can find me in the writer's room. That's my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, first video is going to be up soon. I'm not sure when this video goes up, so I have sort of stopped trying to like uh, say when videos are going to be up on our podcast. But since I don't know when this video is going to be up, just go check out the YouTube channel. Yeah, we have uh, episodes in the can, so it's kind of hard to... We have a backlog, guys. We want to make stuff. sure we have a consistent schedule. Yeah. We we try to get on the right track. We know we've had a few issues, but we're on the right track, hopefully. Yeah, but you can... But uh, besides the point. Yeah, besides the point, you can go check out the writer's room. Uh, Like, hopefully, by the time this goes up, the first video will be up. Sorry for anyone who was a fan of Fanfic World. I lost the uh, the drive with the videos on it so uh i'll have to hope i can find earlier versions of those videos somewhere but uh until then you're just gonna have to deal with there being no backlog on the uh on the writer's room but yeah go check it out you can also check me out on my socials i'm on twitter and instagram as drew garrison underscore be sure to do that as for me you will not find me on the socials but you can find me in our discord server Chat with us about your thoughts on Terminator 2. What do you want us to cover next? Whatever it is, we'd love to chat with you. Your thoughts on our podcast, whether this is the worst thing you've heard today, or whether or not you think we're doing a pretty decent job. Again, we'd love to hear from you. I want to thank Drew for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. I want to thank Donnie and Tristan also for sending in their thoughts. They didn't have to do that. Yeah, uh, so. They were thinking about you, man. Again, I want to thank everyone for listening. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Hasta la vista, baby. See you then.